Welcome to the Hot of Society radio show here at the Hotel Andra, 4th and Virginia. If you haven't been in this building, you should definitely owe it to yourself a little visit when you're downtown Seattle. And uh, even make it a staycation this time of year, especially in November. You know, it's a nice time to just take a little weekend, take a breather, come downtown, have some nice little pastries across the street at the Dahlia Bakery and have lunch at Lola and come at the Hotel Andro and have yourself a little nice evening here. Great rates for the winter, too. Great rates, especially in November. Good. They've got a special on sweets running right now, so it's worth checking out. And the remodel is so beautiful. And that's the voice of Miss Pam. I'm calling you Miss Pam. Because we don't uh, have Tom. Co-host today, because Tom is actually uh, taking a breather, so that's good. good. We're very happy about that. And I'm Terry Rotiro, the chef in the hat. All right, we have a big show today. What do we have on the show, Pam? Well, I'm infatuated currently with the website Chef Steps. Do you ever look at it? Of course. Yeah, they I'm are, a member. They're doing very sophisticated things. So they've got a feature right now on potatoes, which we're going to dig into. Um, because Tom's not here, we're going to talk about pork tenderloin because he doesn't <laughs> like it, and I do. He hates it. And I want you to help me with it. Well, I'm going to do the same thing that he does. Pork tenderloin. So don't buy pork tenderloin. <laughs> buy something else. Right. <laughs> No, you're going to help me. Uh, We're going to taste six apple varieties. Um, My friend Inez Gray is going to help us with Rub With Love Food for Thought Tasty Trivia. Which, by the way, today we're playing (laughs) Tasty Trivia on the first hour of the show. Because? the the first hour of the show. Because on the second hour, who do we have? Linda Skins. Linda Skins. In case you haven't heard of her, that means you don't have internet or you haven't checked <laughs> the internet or the New York Times or the, any kind of publication. Or the Today Show or, or NPR show. or anything. <laughs> uh, we'll be- tell you more about her on the second hour, but do stay tuned because she's a kick in the pants and my God, did she win Blue Ribbon. Yeah. So what's your taste of the week, Chef? My taste of the week is the chicken... S- so what do we call that? Chicken soup, I guess, my wife made last night. I was thinking about that. I had something else in mind, but this is what I'm going to choose because I, I, I really was in heaven. You know, yesterday was pretty cold last night. Yes. And um, so she takes this whole chicken and she butchers a chicken that makes my hair stand <laughs> up. And I only have three, so you notice it. Um, my hair stand up because she butchers a chicken leaving so much meat on the bone. Oh, yeah. But... She purposely does that because she takes a carcass and she p- puts it with some water, some vegetables, some spices, and she makes a chicken stock. She starts so building it. Now the chicken on the meat, on the bone, is all cooked. And we peel that out and put that with some rice and all the vegetables from the stock, which are diced properly, and all the, the broth. And we have a wonderful chicken soup from all the bone that gets peeled off. And She's smart. Both her and I love to just take the bone and, you know, take the meat off the bone and eat off the bone. So I was like a little hog in heaven last night. I put some Dijon mustard, of course. Of some course. gherkins, also known as cornichons or pickles, and um, in my soup. And um, what else did I do? I do one more thing. Oh, a little cumin. Cumin. Ground, That's a surprise. cumin. And uh, that was like heaven on earth. Oh, the other way around. Heaven on earth. 
put an H where there is no H. Um, and no, it was really, really delicious. And um, I recommend people to do that. So now we have two breasts and two legs left of the chicken that we can cook any way we want for the rest of the week. Brilliant. My, my taste is also chicken because last week, Chef Annie did this remarkably beautiful presentation, small chicken that she completely deboned and then uh, shaped it into a football-esque kind of bundle and covered it with a beautiful decoration of puff pastry. Oh, and en croute. En croute, a wow. chicken en croute. Annie, you did all this? It That's came out so... So wait, wait, the chicken was raw, right? Was it raw? No, you pre-baked it a little, right, Annie? A little bit before she put it in the puff pastry. But when she started to slice it, it made these beautiful medallions, but it was glistening and juicy and uh, it was spectacular. What so was we're going to try to talk Tom into doing that for our New Year's Eve party. So what was in the chicken? Herbs. Did you, did you put any herbs and vegetables or anything? No? You have to report because uh, they can't hear her. Uh-oh, she's coming to the Chef, microphone. Chef Annie is coming to the mic because I'm curious, what did you put in that chicken? That made it so moist. Um, it was herb and garlic with uh, Tom's African peri-peri. There we go. Nice choice. So the yes. chicken was about halfway cooked, maybe? Um, yeah. So well, I, I took it to one, 110. Yeah. And also then I cooled it down completely. Then I wrapped it with the puff pastry and then baked it. Beautiful. Now, how long did you bake it for? Uh... For, uh, the, with the with the puff pastry in it, yeah, uh, forty minutes, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Sounds sounds like a chicken Wellington or something. I was, it, yeah, it was, it was a yeah. chicken I was, Wellington. I was thinking you were going to put chick, uh, a duck cell, like a mushroom duck cell, in the middle of the chicken. You can. That would have been already cooked, and so it would have not been rendering yeah. any liquid. And then you'd have this wonderful little chicken. You could call it, um, you know, Wellington. Yep. And he's chicken, got Annie and Sean are and making you know what you do a video of it. Is you put a little diced foie gras in it too. <gasps> so all that beautiful diced what? foie gras. Oh geez. Yeah. Nice and lovely. Oh. That's how we'll talk Tom into it for New Year's Eve. Now you're just making it way more expensive, Chef. I'm trying to cut the food cost down. You know what? People will pay for foie gras. <laughs> they certainly will. <laughs> all right. And what is what is your taste of the week? No, that was it. Oh, that was is the chicken. It? Okay, that sounds that sounds really delicious. That's a nice chicken too. Wow. And now, and coming up, now. our annual debate on pork tenderloin. All right. It's going to be Make a big good. battle. Stay tuned. I can't wait to hear that. Here on Carol 97.3 FM. But I like mine mixed with mayonnaise, coleslaw on the side. Solid potato salad, that's solid salad jack. Solid potato salad boy Take my plate, fill it up and bring it right back Solid potato salad And let's have no yak yak Solid potato It ain't the meat, it's the motion Make sure daddy wanna rock it ain't the meat, it's the motion. It's we are back in the kitchen at yeah, the Hot Stuff are. Society radio show here in the Hot Stuff Society kitchen. 
in the Hotel Andra. My God, that's a big mouthful. Uh, I'm Thierry Rotiro, the chef in the hat, and my co-host today is Pam. Thank you. Miss Pam. What a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So, we were going to talk about pork tenderloin because you love pork tenderloin, and we can't discuss it with Tom because he hates it. Exactly. So, I'm, I'm not in the, section, the next section of neither or. I'm in the section of I've done pork tenderloin many times in my life. Um, do I love it as much as some other pieces of pork? No. And if I had to pick a piece of pork in the store, I would not pick pork tenderloin. However, I've cooked it many times, and I, I sympathize with the idea of a home cook making pork tenderloin because it's easy to cook. That's uh, It's also key. easy to mess up. Yeah, you can so dry it out so fast. Right, because there is no fat. So that's the part that's not attractive to Tom and I. There is no fat, no muscle, no... There's nothing else besides just meat. And that's usually is pretty boring, just like a beef tenderloin, just like, you know, the big part of the roast beef, the center part. Who cares? You know, it's like it's all meat. It's like after you have a bite or two of that, you're done. Well, that's why it's important to prepare it with something that complements it. Correct. Now, you know, we just talked about Annie wrapping uh, chicken in puff pastry. You should wrap your pork tenderloin in puff pastry. Ah, I but like first, the duck cell. But first, you got to sear it. What? You got to sear it first, meaning that you got to take your pork tenderloin and give it a little sear on the outside very quickly, not, not cooking it, searing it only. So little fat in a pan, like a cast iron pan or something very hot, and give it a nice sear. Take it out of the pan. So you, you can picture that, right? Yes. Just a little bit of maybe uh, canola oil or, or regular vegetable oil and a drop of butter and then sear your pork tenderloin so you get a nice searing on the outside. Take it out of there. Put some rub onto your, um, onto your uh, pork tenderloin. Now from here you can do what we were talking about, mushroom, mushroom duxel. So you take some mushroom and you, cook, you dice them really small and you cook it very slowly or medium heat, I should say, salt, pepper, keep it simple. A little bit of uh, ground coriander and ground cumin, just a little bit of that, uh, and a little bit of uh, nutmeg. Grated. Nutmeg's a great idea. Yeah, sweeten up the whole thing. So you take those, those uh, mushroom, duck cell, you cool it down, and then you take your puff pastry, you roll your puff pastry, you put the mushroom duck cell first, you put your pork tenderloin, you roll the whole thing up, like you would a beef wellington or whatever. So you put the dough right on top. You pinch the dough so it's closed in, and you bake it. So you brush with egg wash first. You make a little design. You put your name on there, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> with, with love for you. And then, and then you put it in the oven. High heat, very high heat. Uh, 400, I would say start at 400, then turn it down to 375. Yeah, this wouldn't take very long, would yeah. it? No, it won't take very long because both your mushroom and your pork tenderloin is already seared. It's not cooked all the way, but it's seared. So it's not going to take very long for the pork tenderloin. And the pork tenderloin is not that big anymore. You know, it used to be a little bit bigger than it is now, but pork tenderloin are usually about the size of a, a bit bigger than a silver doll, you know, so in terms of circumference. So it's not that big, um, which is also why you want to sear it fast. But the searing is to give it at least some kind of a, personality other than just <laughs> some texture some something i'm just dying here i'm like you gotta give it something well what about if you weren't gonna put it in puff pastry how would you build a crust and 
would you does it benefit from marinating or does it not take on any flavor if so you there is another way you can take your, your tenderloin, and I used to do this at Rovers, is to take it and... Ah, so you served it at Rovers, huh? So oh, yeah. it's not that... I serve lamb and pork, but not together, but at different time. Uh, lamb much more commonly than pork, obviously. But you butterfly the loin. So you butterfly it, so then you, you cut it, you open it, and you cut it again. So now it's wide open on the board, and it's only this big around, this, this thick... Mm. You picture that? Yes. So you open that, and then you put your Dixel in there. Then you put your spices. Mm. Then you put whatever you, whatever you want to put in there. You can, you can do goat cheese. You can do so many things in there. You roll it up, and you tie it up, and then you sear it. And then you wow. cut the string at the end. That and sounds you, delicious. And then you cut little medallion, and you put those on. The, and now you become very fancy and rover-esque. <laughs> That's what I want. I want to be fancy and rover ass. Okay, well, that, that, you just did that if you do that. So, let's walk through this process. Please. <clears throat> so, you take your tenderloin, you cut it. First, you cut it about, try to do like a quarter inch from the top. You cut it, not all the way through, and then you open it. And then you take the tenderloin, you, put, you turn it upside down, and then you cut the other one same way. So, now you have a three-flop tenderloin. Do you picture that? Yes. Then you take your mushroom duck cell. First, you season your, your pork. You always, when you do layers of things, you always season each layer. Separately. Because otherwise, you're going to end up with under-seasoned stuff. So yeah. a little bit of salt and pepper, maybe, some, maybe a few tarragon leaves. Then you could put on there, just like that. Put your mushroom duck cell right on top of that. You know tarragon, right? I thought you were going to go, oh, tarragon, yes. <laughs> it's been my... I love it like you do. <laughs> and then you roll that tenderloin really tight, and then you put a string, and you tie it up. Each, like every other, like every inch, inch and a half, you put a string, and you tie it up. And then you seal that in butter, brown butter. Just brown butter. You know me, I love brown butter. So brown For butter good is... good reason. Brown butter is you take a pan that's got a heavy bottom... Like a cast iron or thick aluminium, I mean a stainless steel pan. You put it on the fire, you walk away, you go make yourself a cocktail and you come back. Then you I like drop, how you roll. Then you drop a little bit of vegetable oil in your pan. Then you put a nugget of butter in there. So that the, the oil will stop the butter from burning instantly. So you put your butter in there. Your butter is going to turn blonde and then, then you drop your tenderloin in there. And then you give it a sear on all sides. And then you, re- you remove it from there and you put it in the oven at 350 degrees. And within 15 minutes, you'll have pork tenderloin. And it will stay really moist oh, because of your... You've um, made me so happy. So then you take it out and you let it rest. Important. That's very important. And then you slice in between the strings. And then you cut with a pair of scissors, you cut the string. And then you have those gorgeous little medallions to put on the... On the on a plate, and you can use your green vegetable and your carrots and your other vegetable to put on the plate right next to it with a little rice, maybe, or maybe uh, some beans. I would beans would be good with that. I love a good beans beans next to my pork. I like that. So I like apples, like a savory oh, yeah. apple. Well, you could do an apple bacon savory kind of saute. Yeah. You, you render your bacon or your lardon. I would do lardon, not just thin bacons, so thicker. I would do sauteed apple. I would mix the two together and put that with beans. You've solved it, chef. Thank you so much. Ooh, I'm getting hungry on this. No, what a Dang. beautiful description. Great recipe. Ooh. Thank you. All right. 
So, next, what are we talking about? Potatoes? Potatoes from We're going to go step. to Chef Steps and talk about potatoes and Pam found, and I'm curious to hear what she has to say about this. Stay with us on Carol 97.3 FM. We'll be right back. At the Host of Society Radio, we are in the kitchen at the Hotel Andra at the Host of Society Kitchen. If you've never had a cooking demo or a cooking class, or what else do they do here? Theaters and everything. Yeah, fabulous <laughs> private parties. Private parties. Oh my God, so sensational. Anyway, this is a great place to do it, and it's a perfect environment to cook in. It will inspire you. If you're not inspired when you come in, you definitely will get inspired just by the setting here. It makes you want to cook. See those tables, those mixers and everything, KitchenAid everywhere. I mean, it's really a very enticing place. Thank so, you. It's got a lot of soul. Thank you. All right. Appreciate that. Next off thing we're going to talk about is, because Thanksgiving is coming up, you said you saw an article on Chef Step or a recipe about smash. What did you call it? Smashed and? They call mashed it and smashed. Mashed, smashed. Easy, cheesy, creamy, dreamy. So six categories of potato recipes oh. on Chef Steps. All right, here we go. And so I did read the smashed potato or the mashed potato recipe. The Duchess one that I fell in love with that is piped on yeah, to yeah. your baking sheet. And you so, had a reaction. Uh, the reaction was not on the Duchess, was on the mashed potato. Oh, okay. Just the mashed potato, to me, it's overwhipped. It's oh. one thing I don't do. So they said to not peel because they use, um, uh, what kind of potato they use? They use the, uh, oh, those long, uh, fingerling. Mm-hmm. <coughs> they use fingerling. They say you don't really need to, you know, you brush them really nicely and clean them, but you don't need to peel them. I would agree with that. No problem. I have no problem with having skin in my potato. But um, when they're cooked, they say to mash them uh, gently and then they take the cream and the butter. Oh, no, they, they, they mash them really strongly. Then they add the cream and the butter and then mix it gently uh, to not extend the gluten on the potato. I usually, what I do is, for me, what I do, and I, this is when I love my KitchenAid, um, I take the potatoes that are cooked and, you know, in almost pretty much the same size, put it in the mixer once they're cooked with just a little bit of the juice, and I have reduced my cream and my butter on the side. I put them together, and I reduce it down by about half, so it's a bit thicker of a product. And then I put it on the potato together, and then I mix the whole thing together because I only do one mixing. And that allows the potato not to have, like, the gluten extended and not to be so, you know, looking like a rubber band. Yeah, they had a... um that's the benefit of looking at that website is they explain the science behind that right. and the handling of it. And you right. don't want it to get gluey. No. Because that destroys the whole point of eating a delicious potato. Right. <laughs> and avoiding steps of mixing and mixing again. And then more importantly, I think, in the potato, 
is to avoid the steps of like cooling down the potatoes, mixing them, you know, or having the t- potato when you start first mixing them to be really hot and cooling it down and adding the butter and the cream and mix the heck out of it. Then you have a pile of rubber band on your hand. Yeah. So, but the cool part about their recipe and a recommendation that they make is you don't have to wait for Thanksgiving Day to make your mashed potato. You can actually make it, you know, three, four days before, keep it in a Ziploc bag. You know, you, you mix the potato, you mash the potato, and personally, I mix the whole thing together, butter and cream, and I put it in a, in a sandwich bag or in a Ziploc bag, flat as possible in my fridge. The day of, you take a pot of water that's hot, and you put your bag in there, and your mashed mm. potato will warm up very simply. Just make sure it's not just too hot of a, of a water. Like, you don't want the water to be boiling crazy. You just want it to be hot. So it will bring the temperature slowly but surely up. Now, with the cream and the butter in it, one thing that might happen is a little separation. All you have to do, you know, because the fat will want a tender to separate from the potato a little bit, all you have to do is mix it gently. Yeah, and then give you, it boom. a little whisk. Yeah, just give it a little whisk, and it's nice and warm and fresh, and, and it's ready. I've seen that... Um because everybody's writing about Thanksgiving now, of course. Sure. And, and most are recommending that that is uh, preparing your potatoes is an important thing you can do to get out of the way. Yeah. Like next week and yeah, yeah, have yeah. it just be done. Yeah, and this is not a conversation that used to take place. People never used to say that, but now you see it everywhere. Yeah. People are like, oh, yeah, you can make your mashed potato ahead. I'm like, yeah, if you know what you're doing and, and not over, you know, beat the, the crap out of your potatoes, yes, it's easy to do. And you can even, one thing they recommend in Chef Steps, which I think is even better, is you take your cream and your butter and you mix it the day of. So all you have is your potato that's mashed, and then you mix your cream the day of. That's a, even a better idea if you want it to be even top. Well, the recipe that caught my eye was the Duchess potatoes. Yes. And uh, because it is so beautiful. Correct. And it's very rich, though. But I was it's classic. Is it? Oh yeah. I, I don't remember hearing potato of it. Potato duches is a classic. When I was apprentice, you have a piping bag. You you pipe your mashed potato and eggs around the plate. Oh yes, I have seen that. You've seen that. But I I, I didn't know the name of the preparation. Yeah, potato duches, and then you put it under the salamander, under the broiler, and then you give it a nice little um, color. And that's your potato dishes around your plate. And in the old days, it was very classic to do this with uh, big roast meat or whatever. You just use that, pipe it around the platter, <laughs> and they would put the platter in the oven or whatever and bake it. <clears throat> and then you'd have this nice little crispy on the outside exactly. and mash in the middle. That's the... Um and the ones in this recipe are individual serving sizes, so I like the idea of the more crispy ratio of the sure, crust sure. to your, your individualized yeah, yeah. center. So No, it's a very easy recipe to make. I mean, it's not complicated, and I would advise anybody to go to Chef Step and sign up, because they have definitely good, well-tried recipe. And you remember, you, you, yeah. you coughed up the cash for the extra yeah. tips and techniques. Well, you know how I got to Chef Steps is I bought a Joule. What do you call that? The, the sous vide machine. Sous vide, thank you. It's not a sous vide machine. It's a, a circulator. Oh. It's a circulator that you put in a water bath to do sous vide. But you, you could know. use any vessel. But you could use any vessel, yes. And that's a good part about it. And it's also has a magnet on it. 
so it doesn't move. So it's, it's almost looking like a hand, hand mixer, you know, and, and then you put it in your pot and it, mix, it does the same thing as a big one. And what, do you, what have you been using that tool for, the sous vide? Um, I've used it for, you know, when you do big, I, I like using it when I do, for example, a big roast of any kind or a big uh, brisket, for example, or things like this. You cut it in pieces that go into the bags and then you put it in the water and it will totally cook that meat to a stage where just before searing, and I usually go slightly under that, then I take a cast iron pan and sear nicely that meat so I have a lot of seared meat crust. But the inside is very, very, very tender. I mean, fork tender. So it's really a um, beautiful way. Plus, what it does when you put it sous vide is if you put a couple bay leaf, it really impregnates the flavor of the bay into the meat, which I nice. really love. Yes. Same with tarragon, same with anything you put in there. So if you put spices, you go a little bit lighter on the spice, and you get all that meat impregnated with that spice. So I, I think it has its purpose. Um, in, the, in the restaurant business, it's a little bit more difficult because of volume. But in the um, home use, it definitely has some room definitely to play with. So if you have a pot of water and you have the jewel and you have your phone, because you can also use it on your iPhone. and Cut it which out. Is, oh, yeah, yeah. I have, I have the app on my phone. All right. Go to Chef Steps. Look it up and buy one. This is an unabashed adorse, endorsement. Uh, uh, yeah, yes, I mean... This, from the chef in the hat. Absolutely. It's a, good, it's a good tool to have if you're into sous vide. You know, I think it's an easy one. It's not too expensive. It's not, you know... And it comes with a really, really good backup of chef steps with recipes or many ways to use it. You know, so it's really cool. I want to remind people that in April next year, I'm going to Ireland. <gasps> Since we just talked about potato, I just remember about Ireland... <laughs> And uh, we have a couple of seats left on that trip. So go to uh, the show. Uh, <laughs> let me see. My friend Inez and I want to go. We're okay. <laughs> so it's the chef in the hat. We're going to dance in some pubs. Here we go. Oh, yeah, we definitely and will do sing, that. And sing. Because you love music. I, I, you know, I'm looking so forward to the warmth of the Irish soul. Yes. Because I heard nothing but anybody who's been there said how warm those people are and welcoming and so friendly. I can't wait. You're going to fit right in. Is it already, is the trip up on 58 stars already? 58 star travel, 58starstravel.com, okay. yes. Um, you'll find information there. And if not, you can email the chef in the hat at 58starstravel.com or you can email me and um, you'll find all the information. It's uh, April 20th to the 28th in 2023. And again, we have a couple of seats left, so I just wanted to remind people, and just because it's going to go quickly, so it's already gone quickly. I only made one announcement before, so <laughs> shh, don't tell anybody. Inez was with us, with us right here. She's like, shh, I want to go. <laughs> anyway, um, coming up next, we're going to do a tasty trivia because this, this we love today, it. Tom is not here, so we're going to try to change the show without him knowing. <laughs> See what he says when he comes back. All right, stay with us on 97.3 FM. Potato chips, how my mouth just drips. Crunch, crunch, I don't want no lunch. All I want is potato chips. All right, we are back in the kitchen at the Hustle Society radio show. Thank you for staying with us. My name is Thierry Rotiro, the chef in the hat. And my co-host is Miss Pam. 
I like this name, Miss Pam. Yes, please keep that up. Miss Pam, I like that. It's very elegant. I like that. Thank you for replacing Tom for a day. Absolutely. He's on a well-deserved... him a breather and us a breather. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm just kidding. I miss you, Tom. We have decided to put the tasty trivia at the end of the first hour today, so let's roll with that. Food for Thought Tasty Trivia is brought to you by our very own Rob, not all, their very own Rob, with Love Spice Blend and Sauces. There are about 20 dry Rob flavors, four tangy sauces, and a spectacular toasty shallot mustard. They are a great addition to your pantry. Rub with Love is available. At Don and Joe's in the Pike Place Market, Wild Salmon Seafood at Fisherman's Terminals, and grocery stores like Metropolitan Market and PCC. And if you plan to attend the Gobble Up shopping event at Sandpoint in Seattle on the 19th of November, stop by and see Tom and Carol at our Rub with Love booth because they'll be there dishing out deliciousness. All right, wow. are we ready to play? So, Tasty Trivia, let's do it, Pam. Sure. And we're going to start with, uh, well, we have a special guest today, Inez Gray, who owns the remarkable Habitude Salon in Habitude. Ballard. And That's a good French name. It is a different kind of salon because it is warm and welcoming and beautifully handmade, and I admire you for what you've built there, darling. Thank you for coming to the show today. And she's agreed to play with us. There are Ooh. 70 species of truffles, though two varieties most people talk about are black and white. Since truffles are wild fungi that cannot be cultivated on a farm, which animal is traditionally used to hunt these wild delicacies? Pigs, sheep, monkeys, or horses? Pig. Yay! Number two. <laughs> varieties of this pelagic Delicacy include Olympias, European Flats, and Kumamotos. Which delicious shellfish comes in these varieties? Oysters. Exactly. <laughs> if, you not, if you were not going to get that, I was going to come to you. Well, I, think I, I You're was, on a roll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, saffron is a powerfully flavored spice derived from the crocus flower. From which language was the name saffron ultimately derived? Arabic, Greek, Sanskrit, or Latin? Latin. Arabic. Arabic. Wow. <laughs> True or false? <laughs> True or false? One of the most popular sweets in human history is the delicious bee-produced concoction that we call honey. Aside from being a high source of carbohydrates... Is it true or false that honey is a source of vitamins, minerals, and amino acids? Yes. Oh, yes. come on, It's Pam. true. It's true. You probably can see that on the radio. Pam was shaking her head like, yes. Like, yes. Like, oh, my God. I don't know what you're talking about. I was looking somewhere exactly. else. Exactly. She was thinking of something else. Finally, number five. Caviar consists of roe, or the eggs, of the sturgeon fish. There are several types of sturgeon-produced caviar popular amongst connoisseurs. Which of these is not one of them? Beluga, Tobiko, Ocetra, and Saruga. Tobiko. Exactly. Yes. Tobiko flying is fish not roll. sturgeon roe, but rather comes from the flying fish. Four out of five. Bravo, Woo! honey. Wow. 
You're going down, Chef Terry. <laughs> All right, I'm going down for sure. This is scary. Okay, Inez, it's going to be oh, your turn. Okay. Oh, these are fun. <laughs> the name foie gras often elicits fond memories of fine diners for many a gourmand. How does this term, foie gras, translate from the French? Is it goose fat? Fattened liver, buttered duck, or oily poultry innards? Um, buttered duck. <laughs> fattened I liver. Love that. I love buttered duck. That's a nice name. It is great. You're such a buttered duck. Um, perhaps the king of shellfish, the lobster, is prized by lovers of seafood. Uh, aside from the delicious meat, mostly de- um, derived from the claws and tails, the lobster roe, blood, and tomali are all edible. Which part of the lobster is called tama- tomali? The swimmerettes, the head sack, the intestine, or the liver? Um, the liver. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> you missed the last one, you got this one. <laughs> I like that. Okay. <laughs> number three, vinegars are key ingredients in a number of wonderful dishes. Of the various vinegar varieties, balsamic is perhaps the most prized and certainly the most expensive. What does the term vecchio refer to when describing balsamic vinegar? The acidity, the age, the sweetness, or the viscosity? Age. Yes! Yes. (laughs) In number four, in what year did the first Starbucks open in Seattle? 71, 75, 82, or 93? 82. 71. Oh, wow. I know. I'm old. Well, and plus they were a different company than they are now, don't you think? Yeah. Boy. Wow. How many calories per gram are stored in protein? Uh, 4, 10, 18, or 30? 30. It's 4. Oh. <laughs> 4 for protein. All right, she got 2 out of 5. Yes. Oh, okay. You got 2 on the board. That's cool. All right, <laughs> chef in the hat. All right, somewhere in between, maybe I hope she'd show up. What type of food is Cambazola? Great food. Try harder. Cheese. Cheese. Which is the world's largest citrus fruit? No multiple choice here. Uh, The pomelo. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Pomelo. Thank you. Number three. Rhapsody, Aramel, Tamela, and Cambridge are types of what fruit? A very exotic name. Very exotic. I don't know. The Cambridge, Cambridge, Cambridge. Plum. No. Strawberries. Oh, of course. Oh, wow. Did you know that? No. No, I mean you. saying no. Um, I love this one. And we both love the hands. What spice provides vitamin A, inhib- inhibits hair loss, you didn't need enough, <laughs> and can prevent spider veins? It is commonly used in Indian... Hungarian, Mexican, and Moroccan food. Ooh. Cumin. That one. Paprika. Paprika. <laughs> well, that was another one. Hungarian, chef. <laughs> what essential mineral is found in cheese, milk, and other dairy food? Or would you like a question about ganache? Um, do you have an example of uh, how many minerals uh, possibilities? No. no. Starts Oof. with a C. <laughs> Calcium. Yeah. Yeah. What's the ganache question, though? I want to hear it. Oh, okay. A ganache is a combination of chocolate and what else? Cream. Exactly. 
Bonus point. He's trying to sneak in another correct answer. Who's Annie, the winner today? Annie won. Thank you, Chef Annie. Bravo, Chef Annie. <laughs> chef Annie is actually the chef here at the hot stove. And if you haven't had a class here or dinner, it is definitely a, a must. She's a talented individual. Crafty. All right. Coming up next. Stay yes. with us for the second hour because uh, we have plenty more coming, including our very own famous Linda Kings. Kings. So stay with us here on Carol 97.3 FM. Back in the kitchen at the Hot Stove Society for second beautiful, well-charged hour. I'm so excited We have with you today. Pam, Miss Pam is my co-host today because Tom ditched us for a golf game. Good for you, Tom. Exactly. Um, you know, he deserves it. We're holding the fort here for you. Don't worry. And uh, hope you win. And uh, we have a second hour that is well, well, well garnished here. We're going to start with talking with lentils. Of many different kinds, but also apples of many different kinds that are available on Good the market. Good combo for fall. Yeah. The two together really works well. Yep. And um, the last two segments, we have a wonderful nationwide known um, 74-year-old beautiful woman in the kitchen. Her name is Linda Kins, and she's been everywhere, every social media and every media outlet and uh, she's going to talk to us about how do you win 34 Blue Ribbon label in one fair. Because I've heard of one, two, three, if you're lucky, but 34 is over the top, as everybody knows. So we're going to talk to Linda and see how she did. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait either. Sounds like we're going to talk to Julia Child again. All right. Let's talk about lentils. You put that uh, segment on the show for today. <coughs> I happen to love lentils. I know um, you do. That's why it's another good topic to cover. I've cooked many lentils over in my life. Uh, oh yeah, does Tom like lentils? He doesn't really like lentils. No, That's a we, shame. We had to. I think we can turn them around. Yeah, because lentils are really—they're very can. delicious. Especially, I, I mean, I think they have flavor. You know, it's not like they don't have any flavor. Um, there are some that are much different than others. For example, the regular one you find on the market, which is usually the brown lentils. The one from Idaho, Washington, you know, we have our own lentils growing. And we have a lentil festival. We have a lentil festival and all that. So there's definitely, um, it's a great local, or at least statewide, um, legume, because it's not a vegetable anymore, or never been. It's considered a legume. That's a trivia question. Um, but it's such a versatile product. It's, to me, it's as versatile as beans. For sure. You, know, you can make... Lentils into a soup, you can put it on in a stew, and you can also use it as a garnish on a plate for a fish, a meat, whatever. So they have also different types of lentils. They have the yellow lentils, which to me are much more fragile of a lentil, much harder to cook correctly, does great in soup. I like to mix them with uh, another type of lentils. For example, the green, I'm a big fan of the green lentils, the one they call the puy lentil. P-U-Y, which is a French uh, city, the Puy de Dome, 
in the center of France, and they're famous for their lentils. But anyway, I like green lentils and yellow lentils, and I put the yellow lentils or the orange, yellow or orange, what color you want to be, I put them uh, towards the end because they cook very fast. So I start my green lentils and then halfway through put my... That's a good idea to combine the textures. Yeah. So you have one that's much softer than the other. I'm also a big fan of green lentil with duck confit. Green lentils with ham hock. This time of year, ham hock and beans is a common thing to do. But I like ham hock and green lentils. I think it makes such a beautiful... Yeah, that is You have a nice little smoked hock. Little smoked hock, and you put that into your lentil to cook gently with your lentils. Oh, beautiful stuff. You end so up you'd have a, the hock and a water? Yeah. And, and warm up the hock gently. Uh, I would actually put it in the oven, covered, and warm it up gently at about 300, 325. Keep it low. Keep it low. Just you trying to warm it up. And then I would do the, the lentils on the side. So my lentils usually comes with chopped shallots, Carrots, celery, you know, I put a little vegetable. I have a hard time cooking something just by itself, just because, why? You can add. And in your lentils, you can also add kale, uh, julienne kale at the last minute. You brought, put in your kale into the lentil stew at the last minute, so you'll have fresh, you know, kale, thin strip about half an inch wide. That would be very pretty and, and that good would, texture, well, too. That would be very good, too. <laughs> yeah, Nutritionally. Pretty, pretty is true. But now you have green lentils, and if you do the yellow lentils, you put them, you can even cook the lentil on the side, put them in at the last minute, mix the whole thing together so you get green, yellow, you get, you know, the kale, the carrots, and then your ham hock, you put it in there, and I would recommend doing this the day before you want to eat it, because putting the ham hock back into the lentils at the last minute after it's been nice, warm, you know, the smoke is really prominent, you put that into your lentil stew and let it cool off by itself together. They, they cool off. And then put it in the fridge and it will get better overnight. So the next day when you warm it up, you can just pop it in the microwave if you have a microwave for a minute or two. It's hot instantly. But more importantly, it's nicely smoked and everything has picked up a little bit of the that smoke more flavor. More flavor from resting yeah. together. Put a bunch Relaxed. of chopped Italian parsley, flat parsley into that as a, and then some finishing sea salt. Just a little bit, because the ham hock has a little salt in it. And you just have a wonderful dish on your hand. We should make that this weekend. That sounds incredible. And lentils. Simple. Very simple and really not hard to make. You know, like I said, make it on Friday, eat it on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Like this, you'll have a wonderful curated piece of meat and lentils, and everything will be super delicious. So um, another way to do soups, you know, to do, uh, yeah, to do soups. Same context in terms of cooking the lentils. I don't vary much into uh, cooking the lentils with sautéed onions, carrots, celery. I like to use <clears throat> those basics uh, vegetables that I always have in my fridge and then add to it. You know, you could do Brussels sprout leaves. This time of, of year, we start eating Brussels sprout. You roast your Brussels sprout leaf and then, or your Brussels sprout halves, and then you break them down and put it into your lentil at the last minute. Again, put it at the last minute. It doesn't need to be in there for hours. Yeah, you want to keep the crisp. Correct. And the color. And the flavor. Yeah. You know, you don't want to dilute on that. Uh, Same with cauliflower. If you're roasting a big head of cauliflower, you break it down. You roast the big head of cauliflower into your oven. And then you take all the pieces of cauliflower and you break them down into your lentil soup. 
Now you have lentil soup with roasted cauliflower, maybe some curry or some, even some cumin. I was talking about I cumin earlier. I saw a lot of curry with lentils. Yeah. I think from the Indian traditions with dal, I mean, it, they, it just picks up the spices so right. well. And then once your, your lentils are cooked, you can also use that next to the pork tenderloin we made earlier in the show. And if you miss that segment, I consider or going back or podcast the show and go back to that segment where you make a nice pork tenderloin medallions on your plate and a nice little lentil stew next to it. That's that, a and happy then, meal. And then some sauteed apple, which we're going to talk next on this show. So if you stay tuned, we'll tell you how to have pork tenderloin, lentils, and apples. Apple. Here we go. Stay Hooray. tuned. It's coming up on Cairo 97.3 FM. Way to bring it all together, chef. <laughs> Keep it in your pantry. Keep it in your pantry. in the kitchen of the Hot Stove Society radio show. And yeah, we are. Yes, we are. And Miss Pam is my co-host, replacing Mr. Tom Douglas today Excited. and doing quite a wonderful job at it. Thank you. And Tom, I hope you're having fun on that green lawn. And I hope you're walking miles. Yep. Good so, for you. So he can eat some more ham, hock, and lentils when he comes back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so in case you haven't heard the last hour and a half of our show, uh, we have talked so far about uh, pork tenderloin, which we managed to make decently <coughs> into something with some flavor. Some flavor. And then um, after that, we talked about lentils in the last segments to go with that pork tenderloin. And now we're going to talk about apple because that time of year in Washington State, we are blessed with such an array of different kinds of apple. And quite honestly, we tried uh, seven different kinds of apple here. I mean, quite honestly... There's not so many bad ones. There's much more good one. I was so enthused by walking into the PCC last night to see their wall of apples with varieties of names that I've never heard of before. The expansion that's happened in the industry to bring back some of these heritage varieties and the science that's going into creating new ones. I included the Cosmic Crisp because that's probably the one people have talked about um, having one of the local universities develop. Uh, It has been extraordinary. Right. Um, What I was surprised at was almost everything was $2.99 a pound except for two varieties that I included in our tasting that were $3.99 a pound. So So let's let's go over the the name of the apple you have picked up. Okay. So there was the Ambrosia, the Lady Alice, the Envy, Cosmic Crisp, Swiss Swiss Gourmet, which was one of the three ninety nine. Yep. Granny Smith, traditional green apple, and a sweet tango, which was also three ninety nine. Correct. So we tested them all and we wrote our little note. Inez is still with us here. Inez hanging tough. <laughs> Inez is the uh, owner and uh, wonderful owner of Habitude. In, uh, where is it? One in Ballard and one in Fremont. She's got two now. She's expanding nationwide. Uh, Ballard and Fremont, that is nationwide. Worldwide. That is worldwide almost, yeah. Congratulations. So if you haven't been to Habitude, this is the place you go when you are so tired of everything. Your life. It's your, restorative. Your, your work. Your, you need a break. 
great place to go and chill out and get a nice massage. Get pampered and uh, have someone else buy it for you. It's your birthday coming up. If it's not, tell them it's coming up. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you can lie. Just put a GoFundMe on the internet just to get some pleasure for you. From habitude. Because you know why? You deserve it. All right. Back to let's, the- <laughs> let's back to the apples. So we tried all seven of them. Let's start with Inez, your, your guest. Let's start with you. What did you get out of the seven apples? And did you have a favorite? I think my you don't favorite, have to. I think my favorite was the Lady Alice. Lady Alice, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. It tasted really vintage to me. It tasted vintage, like something I'd pick out of my grandma's yard back in Kansas back in the day or something right. like that. Lady Alice. So Lady Alice is Number a... Number two. Is a, yeah, it does look like it's got kind of like some... Some beauty marks on it. It's got. Uh, it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful skin of reddish all the way up to yellowish kind of color. What did you write for Lady Alice? For Lady Alice, I wrote very sweet. Mm-hmm. I wrote great texture. Mm-hmm. And what I like, by the way, Pam did not peel any of these apples, which no. thank you so much. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I have to have the peel. The yeah. skin. I yeah. really, really appreciate that. I think the, the skin makes a lot of difference in, in apples mm-hmm. and pears. I'm a big pear fan. I have some commis pear at home. I eat at least one or two pears a day these days. Um, and it's the same thing with pears. I like the skin on. So, of course, you've got to try to buy, if you can afford it, buy the organic pear or apple and then wash them carefully. And then you're fine. You don't need to worry about the skin. It's no, you want the skin. You want the skin. Extra nutritional benefits. So, Lady Alice, is there one apple you did not like, Inez? The Envy. The Envy. You did not like the Envy, and no. why is that? It tasted bitter to me or something. I don't know if that's the right word, Chef. There is no right word. It's what you feel like. <laughs> so, to me, and Pam, you can... Uh, what about you, Pam? Did, what did you think of the Envy? Um, I... I wasn't attracted to it. I thought it had a short finish. That's yes. exactly sort of just that's melted what it is. away. That's exactly what I said. Mm-hmm. Short so. finish. Mm-hmm. It's a bit watery, kind of. In the uh-huh. finish, it feels like it's a bit watery. Where'd you go, Apple? Yeah, where'd you go? So I think, <laughs> I think So to to explain to the to the to people what I would do if I had those apple, I would put it raw in a salad. I think that's the best place it would go, mm-hmm. or raw next to a cheese plate. Because, and you eat that with something mild, like a soft goat cheese I or something buy like this. It. <laughs> no, I mean obviously you don't have to, but if you have some, don't throw them away. It's still edible. And by the way, it's not that it's bad. It's just as a different. It's not quite as substantial of a finish as the Alice. I agree with that. All right, the next one. What's your? Let's start from the top. The Ambrosia. What did you think? I said candy. It tastes like candy. Exactly. It does. It's exaggerated. Super, sweet. Uh-huh. super, super sweet. And I think um, that's why the contrast with the, set, the one after it, the uh-huh. old-fashioned one, the mm-hmm. Lady Alice, mm-hmm. you could really see right. the difference. Mm-hmm. Lady Alice is more like an apple as it, without manipulation. Uh-huh. Correct. Breeding mm-hmm. is what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sweetness of the ambrosia is quite, quite strong. So, again, probably an apple to eat on its own. Very sweet. So very um, idle to eat with something that's not so sweet. Mm-hmm. So if you're eating the apple with something else, it's nice to match it with something that's not quite as sweet because you have a lot of sugar in that apple. Mm-hmm. Cosmic Crisp is our next one. What did you think? 
I wrote that I thought felt like it was kind of bland. What about you, What Pam? did you say? It was too watery for me. I didn't like the balance of apple flavor and the moisture. I, I got the liquid yeah. and then a little puff of the flavor, but... I think the texture um, would su- be suitable to cooking. So you could do it like uh, if you were making, for example, uh, you know, like a, we were talking about the pork tenderloin earlier mm-hmm. with the lentils and everything. You could use that apple to do a quick saute with some spices, maybe a little heat like ground chili or something like this. Oh, I chili. like putting the heat in it. A little ground chili smoked, lightly smoked, almost like you could do pimenton and hot chili and then put that together, put that next to your lentils or dice it and put it into your lentil after you give it a nice little saute. And then put that next to your pork tenderloin. That would be one of the apple I could use for that, the, the, the crisp. The next one is a Swiss gourmet. Now, the Swiss gourmet is a dollar more a pound. It's very, it was, um, it would be, in my taste, it was more like the Lady Alice of the old-fashioned flavor instead of the show-off-y apple flavor. Right. And it was um, also tiny and compact. I want it in my lunchbox. Right. I think it's a beautiful apple. I think it's it's... It definitely has that classy. Exactly like you said. It's got the texture of the ancient world of the traditional apple that you pick out of a tree. Not perfect, Not but perfect. definitely has a beautiful texture. The skin is really nice. It's got a little give under the tooth, but not too much. So it's, I think it's definitely a good apple, too. Uh, the next one is the Granny Smith, which everybody knows. Traditional. I've been, I've been avoiding them, but tasting this one, I said, oh, I think I might get them back into my rotation. I love Granny Smith as right. a baking apple. Oh, for baking? Yeah. Baking and, and um, because it's got the acid, it's got yeah. the texture that's really solid. The skin is really good. I mean, everything holds together when you bake it. Like if you make a tartatin, which is a traditional quartered apple on caramel, baked upside down and then baked, you know, turned upside down the, at the end of baking... If you do a tartatin, the Granny Smith is a very good apple to do with. Um, and we have to wrap up, but our viewers wanted us to shout out the three varieties that are classics that we didn't have on our tasting gala. Galas, Fuji, and Gravenstein, which are all winners. I am definitely with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Great reminder. Great I was going to say we didn't have galas. That's one thing I said yeah, earlier. Winners. So. All right. Stay with us. Coming up. We're going to talk to Linda Skin on Zoom, right out of Virginia, the queen of the Blue Ribbon. Coming up next on Cairo 97.3 FM. Let me teach you how to eat. Let me teach you how to eat. How to marinate the meat. Let me teach you how to eat. It's a culinary treat. Let me teach you how to eat. Let me teach you how to eat. All right, we are back at the Hot Stove Society radio show. I'm Thierry Rotiro, the chef in the hat. And my co-host today is Miss Pam. Hi, everybody. Hello. I'm excited for Linda's segment. All right, coming up, we have the most famous 74-year-old home cook you can possibly think of. She's made the world around news media by winning the most ribbon I've ever heard of in my life in one fair. That is the most impressive things ever. I think it was over 30 ribbon that she won in one fair in Virginia. 
Her name is Linda Kins. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a great, great honor to have you on the show and a pleasure talking with you. I feel like we're going to be having some good time talking with you. So um, let's start from the beginning. You are obviously a, a seasoned cook in the kitchen, home cook. Yeah, I love to cook. And have you been partaking in a fair, state fair forever or just recently? No, I've been doing it close to 30 years. Oh, wow. No one, ever, no one ever paid attention to me, but it went on Facebook this year instead of the local paper, and so everyone found out about it that way. <laughs> and it goes for Facebook. One more. Not no more. That is fabulous. It's too bad that they waited that long to recognize your, your, uh, your knowledge, but you were participating in the fair. Were you winning that match before? Yeah, I usually win some about every year. I do. and uh, But like I said, nobody ever paid any attention to it because it never went viral or nothing. You know, it's just my friends knew about it, the family. Right. Your family is very lucky to be able to eat your food, I think. <laughs> well, I, basically they are, so that's good. They're good enough for me. I've been cooking for my husband 58 years last month. We were married. <laughs> Wow. Oh, congratulations. And he's still alive to talk about it, which means your food is delicious. Yeah, it's too good. (laughs) Where are you exactly? In Castlewood, Virginia. It's a small town. Do you know where Bristol, Virginia, or anywhere like that in Virginia is? I know Richmond. Well, we're about a six-hour drive from Richmond, probably. (laughs) And so the fair um, that brought you all this fame is called the Virginia-Kentucky State Fair? Yes. So the two states uh, combine. Yeah, it is two states. It's like uh, they border together, and, and uh, it's actually in Wise, Virginia, a small town about a half hour from where we live, but they call it the Virginia-Kentucky State Fair, where it serves both states. And do you enter other fairs, or do you concentrate on, on that one? No, I enter the Russell County Fair in the county I I've been entering it for every year for a long time, too. And do you win as many ribbons at that fair as you did as the uh, Kentucky one? I won 30 at Russell County, and then I went to Washington County this year and did a third fair and won 30 more there. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) Are you going to decorate the entire house with just blue ribbon? Is that what it is? (laughs) I've got all kinds of ribbons at the house. (laughs) That is magnificent. Oh, no, I'm not decorating my house with them, no. <laughs> I like how you stay humble with throughout the whole thing, and you stay very normal. I like that a lot. I appreciate that, oh, as well, a matter of fact. I'm just me. Yes, um, I, I, get, I get that, and I think it's, uh, it's endearing. So what is your most precious blue ribbon you won in terms of the, what you've made for it? What's the dish you made that you feel like that was the most incredible first place I won on that? My husband's favorite is my peanut butter fudge. Yeah. My favorite is, like the stuff I entered at the fair. Yeah. I think my strawberry jam or my pinwheel fudge. Those are two of my favorites. So how, how do you, without telling us all a secret, what, how do you make your strawberry jam? Is it strawberries and sugar only? Or? It's strawberries, sugar, sugar gel. And cook it. That's all it takes. Wow. Fresh, I love fresh it. strawberries, sugar, and sure gel. You've got to have great strawberries. So is there? do you grow them, or is there a farmer's market, or get them at the supermarket? 
there's actually a farmer, a big farm called Man Farm, about an hour from where we live. They sell anything you want to buy to can, but they also bring their strawberries to our local food city, and I just pick them up there by the gallon. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it, so when I make strawberry jam, all I do is take the strawberry, put it in the sugar, I squeeze about two lemon juice, I toss them together, and I keep it on the counter for about overnight. So I keep tossing the, the strawberries, you know, so, so they macerate really well. And then, of course, they're cut. The strawberries are cut in quarter or half. And then I make my, my uh, the next day, I cook my strawberry jam just like that. That's all I do to it. And then at the last minute, I put fresh tarragon, a little bit of fresh tarragon leaves on the strawberry jam. And then I put that in oh. jar and then I can them. Is this a process that works for you? No, I don't do it hardly that way. But uh, <laughs> do you think? Do you think and I would have a, one more ribbons than you, Terry? I guess, so. I guess I was going to ask you. Do you think I have a chance at a blue ribbon doing it like that? <laughs> I would think so, from what I've heard about you. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to show up. <laughs> but the thing about entering your canned stuff in the fair, like your your jams, they have to be specific in ball canning jars. They have to be sealed. They have to look good, and they have to be a half inch to the top, or you don't get considered for a ribbon. Oh, wow. What is it? Oh, so yeah. oh, there are some good rules. rules. I like those yeah. rules. Well, that's I use the ball, and I <laughs> fill it up. I, I definitely leave it a little room. I don't know if it's half an inch. I would have to measure and what's the other rule you have? They have to, you know, the lids have to be sealed. And right, the right. jam and stuff has to be a half an inch to the top of the, you know, jar. Right. Because if your jams, your jar's like half full or three-fourths full, you don't get nothing with it like that. Right. You, you don't do. want to look cheap to the market. I agree with that. Yeah. You got to get it full if yeah. you want to win a ribbon. And what size of a jar do you have to have? I use pint jars most yeah. of the time. You can use half pints, but I like the pint jars. Right, right. See, I use yeah. I use half pint or smaller because I give mine at Christmas to my friend. See, I make mm-hmm. jam. I keep some for me in pint jar, but I make the smaller one for my friends to <laughs> give away. I always find that's a, a nice gift. I, so I share mine with family and friends too. So right, yeah. I'm so you also uh, you also win for bread. You want for some bread. You made some sweet bread. What kind of bread did you make? I made pineapple zucchini bread. And I made homemade yeast rolls, biscuits, Mexican cornbread. I made different things. And you want for but all of them? Pineapple zucchini is my sweet bread that usually wins. That's wow. a weird combination. How did 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 you come up with that? Or um, I found it in a magazine probably twenty years ago and been making it. And do you caramelize the pineapple before you bake it, or is it just? Yeah. You bake it in a loaf when you get all your ingredients mixed together. Mm-hmm. It has cinnamon in it, crushed pineapples, shredded zucchini, sugar, eggs, flour, your usual stuff, you know. Right, right. Interesting. And, yeah. and, and there's a, you have a big category of savory food as well. And I, I heard that your daughter loves your lasagna. So is it because of your signature spaghetti sauce? It's where I make my lasagna sauce homemade. I don't use it out of a jar. Yeah. And I use Velveeta cheese instead of the ricotta. And my family loves it. They've, it's been their favorite for a long time. Really? It's a classic flavor. I know. Mm-hmm. It's a very well-known flavor for sure. Velveeta instead of ricotta. Well, 
it's the local instead of uh, being brought in, that's for sure. And it's a definitely mm-hmm. a different texture too. Velveeta is a bit more um, elastic in some ways versus mm-hmm. the, the ricotta being creamier. And it's a different texture for sure. We like the Velveeta better. I've tried it both yeah, ways. Yeah. I used to use it with the ricotta when I changed to the Velveeta, and we like it better. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, I'm pretty sure you've been thinking of something new that nobody has seen yet coming up, or are you, are you trying to create some new dishes? So when we come back, you can tell us the answer to that question. We're going to be back here on Caro 97.3 FM. Okay, we are back in the Hot Stove Society kitchen. So happy to be here today with Linda Skeens. Absolutely. Linda is Linda Skeen is our guest and she's I, I'm, I can't even ask questions because I'm just listening to her just in <laughs> awe of what she's been doing. And this lady has won baked goods in cakes. First place, she's won pies, cookies, oh my God, brownies, savory bread, sweet bread, and candies, all in first, second, and third place. It's a pretty astonishing uh, resume you have there. I don't think anybody has been topping that yet, so... I bet you there is a bunch of people around the country, maybe around the world, trying to go, how can I do this? How can I, how can I play in this? You know, people love challenges, so you, you now have started a war of challenges. Well, I think they're going to be able to find out some of her recipes. <laughs> so earlier we were talking about some of your favorite. Um, what I would love to hear is, what is your favorite pie to make? In a fried pie, I like peach. But in a baked pie, I actually like... Pecan pie or peach pie. They're both good. Peach and pecan are your two favorite. Because Thanksgiving is coming up, so I want people to get a little head start. And Do you have a website where people can go and see some of your recipe maybe or some of your ideas? Yeah, I do have a a Facebook page and a website that they can go and Linda Skeen's Blue Ribbon Kitchen. I've actually filmed some uh, making some fudge and making lasagna and making banana pudding and things in my home that people have told me they've been watching and they've been enjoying it. Cool. I mean, I think people are going to, this is a time of year where a lot of people get into the kitchen because it's getting colder, it's the holidays, mm-hmm. so people get, you know, start getting cooking and thinking of cooking. So um, I think a good help, you know, if you want to cook nothing but blue ribbon dishes, I think Linda's got them all. She might not have the turkey, but she does everything else. (laughs) (laughs) So I know that you're competing on to all those fairs. Do you constantly think about new things like chefs do? Or are you very happy with what you've been doing all the time? Is it always the same thing? No, I like to try different stuff. Even cooking at home, I make different things. I just like, you know, but I stick to, if I have favorites that my family like, like the lasagna and banana pudding, like at Christmas Eve, I usually have homemade chicken salad. I have cheese balls, homemade sausage balls, pinwheels, 
hand pinwheels. I have about six kinds of fudge and about five kinds of cookies. I have barbecued weenies. I have a big spread for them on Christmas Eve. I love how you have six fudge and five brownies. <laughs> wow. That is, that is, you can open the store Eve. with just that. <laughs> That's the awesome. I make each person in the family's favorite. I usually have, have about six. <laughs> how many people do you have in your family that come to that party? Uh, I have my husband, my daughter, Kathy, my daughter-in-law, Lisa, and her daughter, and my two great-grandsons. And then I have my youngest daughter and her husband and their four kids. So we have about 13 at least. That's beautiful. Six yeah. different kind of brownies and, and cookies. Six different kind of cookies <laughs> for 12 people. That is That's amazing. Heaven. That is heaven. That is heaven. You are, you are the mother heaven. Have you made changes to your kitchen as you've done more... Competition, or have you set up your kitchen uh, for production any differently than how you make dinner for your family? No. When the cookbook people came and filmed me, and when Kathy films me, I just, I'm me, and I do it the way I do it at home, and I don't change anything. No. No, that is beautiful. The secret to your <laughs> success. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, that is nice. That keeps you at a level where you're comfortable and you can still handle whatever you're doing. So, no, I think mm-hmm. that's beautiful. I think that's a secret of passion and life. Do you I have a mixer that you recommend, or are you more all of your batters by hand? I have a big mixer, but I have a little portable one that I use a lot. And uh, a lot of my batters, like my zucchini bread, it's by hand. Yeah, yeah. I still do more just with a little hand mixer. Yeah. What about your ovens? Do you use a special oven? Do you have like a wolf oven or do just you have a regular just a regular oven? Beautiful. <laughs> I love to yeah. hear all that. I have a fifty two roper in my kitchen. So that gives oh, you an wow. idea of what I have in my kitchen. People go, What do you mean? A chef like you, you don't have a like no, I like my oven. It's it's nice, it's classic, it makes me feel like I'm cooking with my grandmother. Well, that's the way I feel. Which my mother cooked on a wooden coal cook stove. I don't know if you know wow. about that. Yeah. She made her homemade fudge and stuff on that. I was actually making chocolate fudge on a video a while back, and uh, I was explaining to the viewers that when my mom made it, it was in an iron skillet on a stove, and there was no thermometers. Mm -hmm. She would drop a little ball of it in a bowl of cold water, and when you could make a softball out of it, it was ready, softball stage. And that's the way they tested it. A lot of people didn't realize that. Yeah, when I was apprentice, that's how you learn how to cook sugar for different stages you know, the, mm-hmm. they make you do the, exactly the same exact thing. They make you do the test of, like, taking the hot sugar and dropping it in ice water, seeing the texture, uh-huh. and that's how you learn. And that's that, why uh, my mom did it. And i tell you mm-hmm. one thing. You learn not to be quick because when you put your finger into hot cooking sugar, <laughs> you don't want to stay there forever. <laughs> you're not it's just like when you're cooking with jalapeno peppers, you learn to wear gloves. <laughs> you bad one time. Yeah. After the yeah. first time, yes. <laughs> so you have learn. a cookbook coming up next year and the whole world is waiting for. Do you have any special highlights you want to tell us about that book? What are you putting in the book? Besides, are you going to put all your secret recipe? I just put a, it's going to have actually my life, a partial of my life story 
My husband was a coal miner for years, and I cooked at school. I volunteered a lot at school. It's going to have my story in there, and a lot of the recipes are special ones to my family or friends, and it'll have all my blue ribbon winners in it. Oh, so they will be in there. All the winners will be in there. Okay. Wow. That's going to be an impressive. How many pages are you making? <laughs> I'm not sure. They got over 100 of my recipes. It's going to be a pretty good-sized cookbook, though. Yeah. Nice. This is so exciting. You know, there is not enough of you in the world, so I'm very excited to see a home, uh, just a good home cook come out and make those beautiful cookbook and share it with everybody because I think it's a, we talk about this on the show with Tom, never let the recipe die. Make sure you pass it around, you know, pass mm-hmm. it down, pass it down. I think it's a very important thing to do to let the next generation have, you know, something to hang on to and to something good to cook. Okay. You know, and, and they a lot went. of people have told me that the thing that they like about I made pinwheel fudge, and they told me I had seven hundred fifty thousand people watching me. <laughs> I showed people how to do it with their hands; it was easier. And they said that they and one girl even entered the fair and won a ribbon and said she'd never been able to do that before until she watched me and she decided to do that. So it makes me feel good that somebody's getting something out of it. Right. It's been a real pleasure talking with you, and I wish we had more time, but um, it's been a great pleasure. Our guest is Linda Kins. Uh, the website is, Linda, what is the website again? LindaSkinsBlueRibbon.com to order the book, and the website is... That's the website. That's the website, too. Yes, sorry. Okay. Linda Skins. pleasure talking to you. Oh, I absolutely, and I love your accent. It's so beautiful. I Thank love the you, southern, Linda. I love that southern accent. It's so good. Well, we appreciate we you. accent. <laughs> Yeah, I love a French accent anyway, so I've really enjoyed this. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, Linda. You have a wonderful uh, holiday season, and all the best on the cookbook. We'll, we'll probably try to have you back when the cookbook comes out and have you back on the show, if you don't mind. Hey, that'd be great. Thank you, and you have a wonderful day. Stay healthy. Bye-bye. Thank you. Linda Skins, she's a Blue Ribbon winner. Don't forget to go to her website, lindaskinsblueribbon.com. All right, if you want to be part of the show, you can join the community on YouTube Live at Tom Douglas and Company, or you can buy a ticket and join us like Inez did, Inez did today. And she got pulled right in. She got pulled right <laughs> in. She's a good trooper. The, she was on the show. That's so great. You're not all going to be on the show because the other 376 people didn't make it. But, you know, we pick people out of the audience just like that. Um, and uh, you can buy your ticket and join us here or in the studio at hotstovesociety.com. You're listening to the Hot Stove Society show on Cairo 97.3 FM. This show is produced by Pamela Hinckley, which is called Miss Pam. Miss Pam. Sean McFadden, who is our technical wizard right there in the corner, and our talented editor, Sean De Torre. Also remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show, on Carol 97.3. You can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite app. Thanks for listening and bon appétit. What do you do with toss salads and scrambled eggs? A world full of circles and those square pegs. The blues is always calling toss salads and scrambled eggs. They're making me ya yeah, yeah.